0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Minutes with Mute, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. BC, 30-16 victory over Rutgers, get a uh, win over a Big Ten team on the road, and to approve to 3-1 and one on the season. Before I get with Scott Muchen, who is the BC football Learfield IMG sideline reporter, you know him as a former quarterback at Boston College. Like to remind everyone, if you're part of the uh, BC football fans, you need to join the BC Gridiron Club. To get more information, just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. All right, why I have you here, Scott. First of all, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Let's just get your general thoughts on that uh, win over Rutgers.
1: Well, you know, for the second game in the road, the Eagles started out on, you know, taking the opening t- the drive and scoring a touchdown, and then Kind of lost their way a little bit on offense and then defense allowed a big play in the passing game for a 76 yard touchdown. Uh, luckily, you know, by the end of the half, the, the defense, which has uh, proved to be very turnover uh, happy and being able to, to create some turnovers in, in, on their side of the ball, which has co- covered up some of the blemishes and stopping teams, they were able to cause a turnover deep in Rutgers territory. BBC took the lead. Uh, I think an Anthony Brown quarterback sneak, and then they slowly started to wear Rutgers down, and by the the, the end of the second half with two, you know, a 12- and 18-play drive that really sealed the game and really, really took charge of everything was impressive effort by the offense, and then a good job by the defense in bouncing back, and after giving up some big plays and missing some tackles, they did a good job of, you know, containing Rutgers. Uh, running attack only gave up 76 yards on the ground they did give up 300 yards in the air but you know you also have to take in a factor that 76 came on that one big play so overall they did pretty well I, I believe Rutgers was only four for 15 on third downs, so that's a good that's a good improvement in that area for the eagles on the defensive side of the ball and offensively they were nine for 19 so those are two, you know, big factors: winning the turnover uh, battle and then converting on third down. So, BC did a good job. I, I think that the big questions going into this week is: is this past defense up for the challenge versus Wake Forest, and can? Anthony Brown gets the passing game going for
0: the Eagles. It's good segue to my next question. You're a former BC QB. I always like to get your take on the QB performance. Anthony Brown, 13 for 25, 159 yards. Just what in a couple of sentences? How do you describe his performance traveling back home to Rutgers? Yeah, he
1: what he, he did a good job running the football pulled you know they had a couple design runs for him which is good to see that really helps loosen that defense up a lot and take some of the pressure off AJ Dillon and, and David Bailey so that helped passing game still looks to be a, a thing in a work in progress uh, I guess just the timing and, and I think depth seems to be a little bit off in the passing game it's just that's just the way it appears kind of from the naked eye whether it's guys not getting to the right depths if they're on the wrong page with the tight ends and the receivers or Anthony Brown just seems to be back there sometimes either waiting for guys or he's, too, or he's late on, on stuff and there's just a lot of things that need to go right to find rhythm in a passing game and it seems to be that BC just seems to be a, a click off here or there and it's proven to, to cause some, some issues in executing in the passing game so hopefully they can get that straightened out it is tough in Anthony Brown's defense if you're you're just throwing on third downs or or other teams are expected that heavy play action pass where you only have two guys in a route. So would like to see that completion percentage bump up and maybe give him some easy throws to get some some confidence uh, earlier in the game or earlier in downs where you get some vanilla looks. But uh, that that needs to improve if BC is going to get some some conference wins under their
0: belt. Okay, and then the other side of the ball, the Rutgers game, you mentioned it briefly. The defense uh, allowed some yards, uh, big plays. But as you mentioned earlier, overall, some progression uh, from the Kansas loss.
1: Yeah, you know, you gave up 380 yards total offense, I believe, 304 passing, 76 rushing. So not not terrible. And a, a lot of that kind of came in, in the first half. I think some of the, the progress you see defensively is they've changed some looks up in uh, their third-down packages, bringing in different guys to try some different, whether it's stunts up front with the front four or whether it's blitz packages with the linebackers in the secondary. Bill Sheridan mixed some things in, and you saw it. When they were able to get heat, two plays particularly that uh, stuck out to me is one where Arthur Sikowski had a third-down play where BC brought a blitz. They got through forced him to throw the ball earlier than he wanted he had an open crosser if he was able to stand in there and deliver it which would have resulted in a first down and then late in the game bc got some pressure and he and Sikowski throws it up and it's intercepted by mike palmer and when when you're able to get heat on the quarterback you force them off their spot and you force them to throw the ball earlier it usually ends up with creating some turnovers on defense and it usually ends up with some inaccuracies from the quarterback because most quarterbacks Don't like to get a lot of heat in their face, and they don't want to get hit every time back. So if you can get consistent pressure in that way, then it just makes the the quarterback's job a lot more difficult.
0: And just to put a bow tie on the Rutgers game, I always like when you, especially when you travel on the road and you travel with the team. Just like to get your take, Scott, and what the atmosphere was like post game and on the trip home with the team. Are they happy? Are they relieved? Or how they? How What's the mindset you think now going into Wake Forest? Well.
1: You know, after the game, the, the, the guys were excited. It's a win. Any, anytime you win a, a football game, especially a college football game, it's, it's not an easy environment to yep. win no matter where you're playing. So anytime you go on the road and come away with a, with a victory, that, that registers and you should be happy. But it was good to see the fans. There was a lot of BC fans there. Um, the players made it a point to go to the far end zone. and and go down and and celebrate and sing the fight song with the fans, even without a band being there. So that was a a special moment to see. They uh, celebrate that victory as well. They should because, you know, there's only so many chances you get to to compete and so many chances you get to win, so you need to savor those victories. Um, As for the travel aspect, I did not travel with the team this week so I was doing some other stuff, but, uh, you know, the mood seemed to be good. The moon seemed to be happy. The parents were, were happy afterwards, coming to see their kids as always. And uh, it's good for the the Jersey kids to get a win on their in their home state. And I'm sure it helps Steve Adazio and the coaching staff and kind of hold their you know hold their water and to hold their their grade per se in the state of New Jersey and bringing some talent out of there, showing you know some of the kids there that if they want to be able to compete and play at a, at a high level, come to BC, and you're going to do that as evidenced by their performance versus Rutgers.
0: That's right, and that's my fault. You told me you were traveling to hockey tournaments, but uh, yeah, it, you yeah. know, how was that, by the way?
1: Uh, it was good. It's always fun to, to watch uh, my children play in, in any sport or activity that they get, so you, you make that sacrifice to do that and, and travel down. I did get to visit six New England states, I think, in, in, in a matter of 24 hours, so that was <laughs> that was an enjoyable experience, a little fun on the uh, the uh, the gas tank per se, but, uh, you know, it's always good to be able to see your children compete.
0: Okay, that sounds great. And you know what? This week, it's a lot easier for you. BC comes back home. Uh, Wake Forest, Scott, 4-0. and uh, They beat North Carolina in a non-ACC game throwing in another couple cupcakes, but hey, they're 4-0. and uh, I think they're ranked 26, right, or they're just inside the top 25. Uh, so it'll be you know, an opportunity for BC to get a top 25 W at home. Your general thoughts about Wake Forest? I know they have uh, Sage Sherrod and Scotty Washington, the receiving, strong receiving. And Wake Forest and BC, I feel like they're similar programs. They always play each other tough, Scott.
1: Yeah, and, and Steve Adazio mentioned that in his press conference earlier this week that uh, Dave Clawson and him has some familiarity with him. They do have similar um, recruiting styles and type is in type of personnel in which they're getting. So they they seem to be similarly shaped squads, uh, different geographical areas, obviously, but similar kind of in, in the type of athletes in which they're looking for the academics. But yeah, they, yeah, right, on top of all that. But then you're looking at, you mentioned those, those great receivers for, for Wake Forest. Both of those guys have five touchdowns each. They're, in the, t- they're the top two um, yards receiving uh, receivers in the ACC so far. So that's pretty impressive. And their quarterback, Jamie Newman, who was actually in a, in a battle for, for the job for, in, in preseason versus Sam Hartman, who played against Boston College last year as a freshman, and Newman has won, won the job, and he's flourished in that role. He's in the top ten in the country in yards passing. I think he's got over 1,200 yards passing so far. He's averaging over 300 yards a game. Their offense is, you know, top 15 in a, in a bunch of categories, offensive efficiency, passing yardage, uh, receiving yardage, touchdowns. So passing touchdowns. He's got, Newman's got 12 touchdowns on the year, so they're an explosive offense. They can, they can run the football. Uh, they have a you know a, a different group of backs. It's not just one guy. Kate Carney is a guy who has you know done some damage against BC in the past. But there's some other backs there that have contributed as well. So just an explosive offense that you know has some weapons that BC is going to need to corral if they're going to be able to get a, a victory this weekend. But it's going to be a tough challenge for that defense considering. Their inability to, to show any any pressure on the quarterback, consistent pressure on the quarterback, and holding up in the back end, uh, I think you got some. Uh, there's some guys that although they are older in age, they just don't have a lot of game experience back there with Mike Palmer and many Alatrak Alit- that are back there. They've gained some experience, and hopefully after these first four games, they're a little a uh, little more set and a little more comfortable in their role back there. It's interesting to see some of the adjustments BC's made in the secondary. You, you noticed uh, Brandon Sebastian still out there, but they moved Tate Haynes in to cover the slot. Uh, the you know the kind of the nickel guy in some of those sub packages and bringing in Jason Matria, an Everett kid who played I thought played well versus Rutgers. He was noses around the ball for a couple of big plays. Uh, look for Elijah Jones, who's a reg, either a redshirt freshman or sophomore. I, I don't I'm not sure if he got four or five games last year, but some pretty talented younger guys that are going to get a chance to compete in there, and they're going to need to step up because these receivers for Wake Forest, as you mentioned, not only are they productive, but they're bigger, taller receivers, and if the Eagles uh, you know, need to tighten that back end up, not just in coverage, but in tackling-wise, they need to, to take care of that so you can limit the amount of big plays that, uh, that run through the secondary.
0: You know, I always think of Wake, and I haven't seen too much of them, but they have that motion uh, at the line of scrimmage that's always caused BZ trouble throughout the years. As a defender, Scott, just uh, for a layperson, what do you think the key is to kind of not get tricked by that and that motion and and to fall forward for a big place? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum cht provides world-class strategy and consulting to fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout new england and nationally including state street bank homage pharma and intel corporation check them out at chestnut hill that's chestnut hill technologies.com
1: well there's there's a couple ways in which you you take care of it it's one is as a front seven guys, if you have the defensive lineman. You don't, you're not looking at that because you're looking at the ball. The linebacker, you follow your keys, and that's usually the guards are going to kind of tell you where to be. So that motion shouldn't catch you up into those certain things. If you're in the secondary, based on certain strength of formation, whether they're going two by twos or three by ones or or however they want to do it, or a simple just pro set, which you don't see very often anymore in college football. But. Uh, which would be two backs in the backfield. But you tend to just kind of base your look off strength, and then based on that movement, you're either in man or zone. And the way college football has evolved, I think BC has, has gotten that handled. And then another way you handle it is that you just play zone behind it, so the motion doesn't matter. Motion usually only matters if you're in man-to-man because you got guys chasing each other. So that funky motion is more of an obstacle illusion that they try to get you to fall for. But if you just read your keys and know your assignments, it just tends to be more window dressing
0: than anything. Okay, and then switching the side of the ball, what are the goals, the objections, you think, for BC, the offensive? Uh, are they going to try to pound it and keep it awake, uh, kind of wear them down for the fourth quarter, or are they going to go to the air more, you think, against Wake Forest? Well,
1: I think Steve Adazio is going to want to maintain that, that that pound style. They're going to want to run with pace, and they're going to want to give you a heavy dose of David Bailey and, and uh, A.J. Dillon and then use that big play-action game to hit some big plays down the field. Anthony Brown's best game was versus Wake Forest last year. We threw for five touchdowns and over 300 yards. So Wake is probably going to be ready for that heavy play-action. So does BC counter that by sticking to the run on first down? Do they do some drop-back where they're going to get some vanilla looks or maybe catch Wake in some run blitzes, which could give you some one-on-one coverage on the perimeter? which allows Kobe White, Benny Glines and, and Dave Flowers to get some, uh, some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game. Or you're able to kind of use the middle of the field and, and use those tight ends. There's, there's a lot of talent in that tight end position with Hunter Long, Chris Garrison, and Jake Burr. Those are guys, and even Corey have proved adept in catching the football and making plays in the seams. Uh, so I, w- I would like to see BC, you know, throw on some early downs to loosen that defense up give A.J. give AJ and David some room to, to negotiate and, and move there as the game goes on. But I think Steve D'Azio is going to kind of stick to that game plan. And it's going to be interesting because both teams like to play with some pace. So whatever team, I think, can win the pace game and dictate the terms and the, uh, which the, the, the pace in which the game is going to play, I think they're going to have some success uh, just because that means that their style is
0: winning and then Scott just to wrap it up BC comes in three and one I think we both thought they'd be four and zero at this point so just talk about what from a big picture perspective what this game means against a peer institution ACC game I have to think in my opinion this is a very critical game to kind of set the tone uh for what this second half of the schedule is a lot tougher than the first uh first four games at least
1: yeah that's true and you're talking about this is a trendsetter for maybe, for hopefully, for the the rest of the year for both teams. The importance of this game for Wake Forest is is just as big. It's their first conference game. This is BC's second conference game, so th- this matters a lot uh, for for both teams. They they really need to make a statement. Wake Forest wants to prove they belong in the top 25. BC wants to show that that Kansas game is was a blip in the. On the radar and they want to be able to come back out and beat a quality football team at home uh, BC has not had a lot of success against top 25 teams at home but like you said Mike if you get that fourth win two of them conference wins that's going to set you up for the rest of the season but I can tell you this although on paper the schedule looks very tough there are so many factors for all those teams besides Clemson on, on the rest of that schedule that you just you just never know you never know in college football what team you're going to get week to week. So to, there are not, besides, like I said, Clemson, there are not many dominant teams left on that schedule. Uh, they all have some sort of issue one way or another, except even, you know maybe if you could throw Notre Dame into it. But even then, you're catching them late in the season. You just don't know. So, yeah, paper, you, it might be looked as difficult, but – you just want to win the next game that's on your schedule. And I think that this is an important game for BC just to see where they're at, where they're at, have they improved, you know, are they getting better week to week, are they gaining that valuable experience on both sides of the ball, and are they able to kind of dictate terms to the teams in which they're playing. And if you get that, then, you know, they have a chance to be
0: successful. Also too, just throwing in the end of the schedules. Look at it. how about Pittsburgh? A nice win, final play of the game, uh, over UCF Central Florida.
1: Yeah, but I mean, same thing, but they blew it against Penn State the week before. Yeah. So I mean yep. that's a quality team. Pat Narduzzi's a quality coach. Uh obviously he had some backlash from his decisions versus Penn State, but you know, bounces back to be a quality UC UCF team at home. So kudos to him for, for that win and bouncing back. You know, sometimes those heartbreaking losses are tough to recover from. So that was good to see for them. And Notre Dame with a tough loss versus Georgia. Uh, Syracuse kind of finding their, themselves again after that loss to, to Clemson at home. But, you know, there's questions all all around there. Florida State, they lose their quarterback. NC State, they're, you know, they're still trying to find themselves along the way. Syracuse, although, you know, they did beat uh, Central Eastern Michigan, you know, it's still – Still trying to figure out there's a lot of Louisville, you know, playing a backup quarterback as well. There's still a lot of moving parts out there. So don't get caught up in reading the rest of the schedule. Just be focused on what's ahead right now and try to get this W versus Wake and then set the tone for the rest of the uh, rest of your season by just coming out and, and week to week in it and not worrying about what everybody else is doing.
0: All right. So that's what we got. It's BC at home. Scott, how happy are you? Nice, easy travel for you, right up to Chestnut Hill.
1: Yeah, we, but you know what? Later in the year, it starts to add up when they all start coming in. you got that Syracuse trip, Clemson trip, <laughs> uh, Pitt.
0: pit Notre Dame.
1: Notre Dame trips, yeah.
0: Louisville. They'll yeah. add
1: up. They, they pay, they're, they're paying off early in the season, but they'll come to get you at the end.
0: All right, Scott. Well, hey, thanks so much. Scott, of course, is Learfield IMG Sports Radio Network. And Scott, this game, again, is on the ACC Network, so a lot of people should be listening to you because they can't get the game on Comcast in Boston.
1: Yeah, tune in to listen to the Velvet Pipes of John Meener, Perel, Pete Cronin, and myself on the radio. And uh, you can even catch it on Sirius XM. And if you have it, you can get the Sirius XM app where you can listen to that as well. So... Uh, I believe the Red Sox are playing, so we might be on eight fifty. Uh, I don't know exactly what time it is. If not, there if they're not playing or they're playing later than that, then you can listen on ninety three seven to check us out. But yep. uh, also the the TuneIn app is another great way to listen if you don't have Sirius or if you don't want to listen to AM radio.
0: Yeah, and there's no reason they'll be listening to the Red Sox right now, so you got to focus on BC. I agree. <laughs> All right, Scott. Hey, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Mike.